We're going to wind up the show with my conversation with Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth. In many ways, my interview with Senator Tammy Duckworth is one of the most surprising and memorable segments that I did. I was, of course, really excited and honored to be interviewing her, and I got to do it in the U.S. Capitol itself. But in the course of our discussion, I was moved by some of what we ended up talking about. She's a woman in a supposedly male field, like myself. I'm a political historian. And it was remarkable to hear her acknowledge the power of things like imposter syndrome or the frustration of having men repeat what she had just said in meetings without acknowledging her in any way or giving her credit for her ideas, and the joy of having enough women present to continue a conversation in a restroom during breaks. There was a kind of bonding there that I really hadn't expected. The fact that I shared so much with this incredibly accomplished woman was reassuring, but also kind of frustrating at the same time. And I think the power of that realization really comes through in this interview. So here is this conversation from the show, The Year of the Woman, A History of Women in Congress. Tammy Duckworth is the junior senator from Illinois. Congress wasn't built for someone like Tammy Duckworth. As a woman of color, a new mother, and a disabled veteran, Tammy Duckworth has had to make Congress work for her. I spoke to Senator Duckworth and started by asking her what it felt like to first enter the male-dominated space of Congress in 2013. Well, it was really interesting in that uh, we had Leader Pelosi, and so we were led by a woman, a very strong woman, um, who had been speaker. And so it was, I think, very uh, fortunate to have that role model that you could look to someone who was very active in teaching new members, especially the women members, to speak up. And one of the things she always said was, you know, when you sat around in a circle, especially as a freshman, uh, you're afraid to say something because the imposter syndrome is very real. And when I would go into the chambers, even though I'd served in combat, I'd often been the only woman in an all-male unit, I had this real strong sense of imposter syndrome. Like, what am I doing here? You know, these, you know, there's there's so-and-so, you know, there's Sam Farr, who's been a, a congressman for Literally in the decades, and you know all of these people that I'd seen on TV, and it was it was very very intimidating. But Leader Pelosi was one who said, you know, who she didn't let you let your turn pass by without saying something, and then she would if you um, said something, and you were, and then the next person like the conversation moved on and two other people and then somebody else, a man picked up what you had to say. She'd, she'd be sure to say, wait a minute, Tammy said that. Wow. And and direct it back. Wow. Um, but, but she really left it on you to push yourself. But she was backup. But she basically. was backup, yeah, which was, which was a good example to have. Wow, that's powerful, actually, and I would sort of wish for that in a lot of moments <laughs> in my life, too. Yeah. Now, I wonder then, thinking more recently, I know that you re- semi-recently had a daughter, Yes, my second one. So how did you think about that, knowing the rules that were in place at the time? What went through your mind as to how you might have to adjust, maybe changing things or hoping to change things to allow for you to bring your daughter on the floor? How did that progress? So I had my my first daughter in 2014, so the second year of my first term in the House of Representatives. And it was actually while I was on maternity leave with her that I decided to run for United States Senate. Wow. And I will say that with my second daughter, I was definitely much more of a rule breaker. <laughs> well, I should say, maybe I was more of a rule follower my first time because, you know, there's imposter syndrome, I'm new and and all of that. So 
I actually had my daughter, my first daughter at home and was out from Washington for three months and was a, and, and took my maternity leave then. But I missed all those votes. Mm. And now here we are in uh, 2018 and I'm about to give birth to my daughter. I'm now in the Senate and the difference in votes was two. So wow. every vote counted. We couldn't afford to have me out for three months. Wow. If um and if you go on maternity leave, the Senate rules say you are not allowed to vote and you're not allowed to introduce legislation. Whereas in the House I was able to, but in the Senate oh. I couldn't. So I couldn't officially take maternity leave. And I in fact had to decide to give birth in Washington, DC, so I wow. could be nearby for votes. Wow. And so knowing that sort of empowered me to say, well, damn it, then if I, you know, if these are the rules, then I'm bringing my baby when I come to vote. And in fact, when she was just 10 days old, they needed my vote. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you came with her. So I came with her, yeah. <laughs> and how did that feel? It felt fabulous, fantastic. It also felt long overdue. And it was funny because I received support leading up to it that the fight to be able to bring onto the floor from uh, um, there's definitely a lot of strange bedfellows. I mean, certainly the 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 Democratic women uh, were very supportive. But then I had some of the Republican men came forward, and it was almost generational. Some of the younger mm. members, I, I remember uh, Marco Rubio, whom I don't think I've ever voted the same with him on, you know, 10% of our votes, came up to me on the floor and said, Tammy, I hear you want to change the rules to bring your daughter onto the floor. And I was sort of stealing myself for what he's going to say because I will support you. I'm backing Ooh. you up, whatever you need. I, wow. I wish I could have brought my children because his kids were young wow. too. And I was like blown away. And Roy Blunt of Missouri, um, whom I campaigned against, <laughs> came up to me and said, Tammy, as soon as I'm the chairman of the rules committee, I will change the rule for you because I remember wow. when I could bring my children on the floor when I was in the house and how great that was. And I, you know, wow. I want that for that, here. That's so, and that's so. Important to say that as much as we're sitting here talking mm-hmm. about gender issues, that there's a generational component in this, too. Right. For sure. Right. And yet some of the members who were, you know, a little bit older were had questions like, well, is she going to breastfeed on the floor? Like that was some <laughs> horrible thing or like 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 that would be such a scandal or they asked what the dress code was going to be for the baby. No. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a Senate dress code. You have to wear blazers and you have to wear to- closed-toe shoes and I, and no hats. And uh, I said, well, um, she's a baby, so probably a beanie, and I'm not taking that off of her. Oh, my god! She's probably being a onesie. I guess I could put a blazer on her if I need to, and she's too young for shoes, so socks. Wow. But literally, I mean, you know, it's like the most inane questions. Like, why are you asking this? So Rules. Right? Rules. So people are just thinking yeah. rules. Right, right. So I did put a blazer on her that day. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go online and find that just to see if there's an image of that because that's wonderful. (laughs) I also want to say, as a woman who works in a largely Mm -hmm. male field, seeing you sitting here and talk about imposter syndrome, as you have a couple of times, Mm -hmm. on the one hand is infuriating and on the other hand is really empowering to hear you say that since I feel the same thing. And Mm -hmm. I also don't necessarily bring it up because I Mm -hmm. think— I don't know. I guess I feel I want to have people not assume that I'm worried about that sort of stuff, but you're mm-hmm. right. And so actually related to that, when you were saying that Speaker Pelosi was backup, are there ways in which you think as a woman legislator that your strategy is different in, in how you address or interact in Congress? It's a cliche, but I think it's definitely consensus building and, mm-hmm. and, and really working a lot of those relationships. We are very fortunate in the Senate that um, uh, we do have the, the women senators group. So we do support each other uh, as much as possible and try to back each other up uh, across the aisle. Um, and, and you've seen there have been some images of, you know, 
Lisa Murkowski, so Susan Collins, who uh, voted uh, on some choice issues or some things like that, where it was Democratic women senators who stood next to them to provide um, them with support as they were making some really tough votes that they were really being harassed um, for by their male counterpart, by their wow. male colleagues. Yeah. Does that feel different in the Senate than it did in the House on that count? It does, because there are much, many, many more women in the House. And again, um, we have, you know, a female leader. Uh, and in the Senate, um, I mean, Chuck is great, but we just don't have that type of leadership over in terms of, uh, you know, we have Patty Murray. She's the first. She's the first wow. woman leader over here on the, wow. on the Senate side. And so um, we certainly uh, could use more representation. Now, looking in from the outside and seeing the large number of women that came in in this last mm-hmm. election, right? So I was on the outside cheering and thinking, yay. Yeah. But what I'm really curious about is, did that offer a different sense of a we to you being on the inside? Did that awareness above and beyond the fact that we need more representation from women, mm-hmm. did that change the ethos for you in any way? I just felt like we had more center of mass. Uh, and and I don't get to go over to the House side very much as we're over, just over in the Senate side. And, and so the total number of female senators didn't change. But I will tell you that on the House side, I was over there, I don't know, before the State of the Union, so there was a waiting line for the female stalls in the female bathroom. It's like the first time that had happened. <laughs> like, there's so many of us now, we actually have to wait again. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, it was like, well, I was like, well, then you need to change to get some more stalls over here. <laughs> but but it was nice, you know, so we're exactly. all standing around <laughs> talking to each other. And that was really nice. And, and so there was a lot of um, uh, shop talk going on. You know, as you're, as you're just chatting with each other, and and That's yeah, it was, it was good. To, it was a good feeling. I wonder, also, given mm-hmm. what we've been talking about mm-hmm. here, and looking at the historic number of women right now who are running for president, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts at this moment? Um, I mean, I, I I'm so proud, and I'm so proud that there's no questions of whether or not they're qualified, as there was with Geraldine Ferraro or, or for, uh, the women before her, and I think um, you know Hillary Clinton and and all the women who ran prior. Uh, who, um, you know, uh, showed that women are just equally qualified. But what I really like is the fact that no one has questioned these women's ability to do this job. Um, maybe it's a reflection on who's in the White House right now, but, but um, you know, I, I don't think people look at any one of the women that are running and think, oh, she's not capable. But it's it's definitely more well, with the, how to rack and stack the, the various um, people who are running and, and in terms of, you know, uh, almost ex- more experience. Like, you know, some of the, these women are seen as having more experience as many of the men who are running who are very young. I guess I'll, I'll ask one last question, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a goofy question, but I'm going to okay. ask it anyway. <laughs> if you were bestowed with magical political powers and could do anything right mm-hmm. now to make the space in Congress feel more inclusive, what might you do? Um, I would... <sighs> get more diversity in the staff mm. at the highest levels because mm. that's not there. And we're trying very hard to do that. And the, the staff are even, I think, in many ways, less diverse than the membership, especially if you look at the house. So it's still a largely white male workforce. And mm. um, there are not very many females chiefs of staff. There's not very many mm. female legislative directors. And these are people who are advising their their representative, their senators on the bills to write. So if mm. you have, even though you could have a female senator, 
if her advisors are all white men, they're not going to be as attuned to criminal justice reform issues, economic injustice issues, um, uh, equal pay, and all of that. And so for I'll give you an example of how it makes a big difference, uh, even though it's not about the laws. My chief of staff, Caitlin Fahey, has been with me uh, from the time she walked on as an unpaid volunteer. And my deputy chief of staff is a woman as well. And uh, they, they belong to the women's chiefs group who get together in a bipartisan way and try to solve some of these issues and, and agree to bring up some of these legislation, work together on the legislation and nudge their bosses in the right direction. But also, Caitlin um, is the one who's been my right-hand person developing my own leave policies. And we have 12 weeks of paid family leave for birth uh, of a child, adoption, fostering, also to take care of an ill family member. So it's hmm. open equally to men or women wow. uh, in my office. And this is something that Caitlin helped me develop. Having a female chief was really important as part of that process. And she and I were mm. pregnant and we gave birth within three months of each other. And oh, wow. My deputy chief is pregnant now. And <laughs> oh so, you know, gosh. so that changes the ethos in the office because right. now the young men in my office sees that it's perfectly okay for women to go have a baby and take exactly. time off and then come back to work. And and the senator did it. And it the, makes it pragmatic and, chief, and real time. Yeah, and, and, and it actually didn't hurt anything and everybody was just fine. And so now mm. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just praying that one of my... Um, Male uh, staff members actually has a child and takes the takes the family leave and sets the example. 